The Lord be with you and also with you. Brothers and sisters, would you open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12? We are going to start our reading at verse 14 and read all the way through chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 14. Would you uh, stand with me if you are able? And before we read God's word, let's take a moment and ask for God's special blessing as we open up his word, hear it expounded, that it may affect us, transform us, and lead us to be more like Christ. Let us pray together. Father God, with our Bibles open before us, we come and ask for your blessing, O Lord. We, we pray that the Spirit of God would so illumine the pages of these Bibles in front of us that our minds would be alert and open to its truth and that our lives would be quick and ready to welcome it and obey it and to, to live in light of it, O Lord. Help us in the speaking and in the listening to do so in such a way that honors and glorifies you, our living God. And we pray this in the the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Brothers and sisters, a reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Here for the third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? But granting that I myself did not burden you, I was crafty, you say, and, and got the better of you by deceit? Did I take advantage of you through any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus to go and sent the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ, in all of you, for your upbuilding, beloved. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over many of those who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. This is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warn those who sinned before and all the others, and I warn them now while I am absent, as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them. Since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me, he is not weak in dealing with you but is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, 
but lives in the power of God. For we are, we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test, but we pray to God that you may not do wrong. Not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may also do what is right, though we may have seemed to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason, I write these things while I am away from you. That when I come back, I may not have to, I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. Yes, thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters, the older that I get, the more and more I realize how much I need you. How much I need the church of Jesus Christ. And not just the, the global church, I'm talking about you, the local church, Missio Dei Church. There, there was a, a time in my life where I found myself getting very cynical about church what I had been through as a child, what I had been through as a teenager. And I found myself looking at it and going, man, this place is absolutely messed up. Why in the world would anyone want to be a part of it? I could deconstruct the church with the best of them. I could tear it down and, and find all of its faults. But here is what I have learned, that years of doing that affected me. It hurt me, and it also hurt others. You cannot love something, you cannot love someone, if you are always criticizing it. That's the reality with any kind of relationship, isn't it? If you continue to uh, criticize your spouse day in and day out, you have a hard time after a while finding yourself loving and giving yourself to your spouse. The same is true with your children. The same is true with your workplace. The same is true with your neighborhood. If you find constantly finding yourself in a place of criticism, you find yourself having a hard time truly loving it. But by the grace of God, I found myself in a new phase. I found myself falling in love with the church of Jesus Christ. And I realized that how much I need the church, how much I need you. I need the church. And the reality is you do too. It, it is a, a non-negotiable for, for everyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ. It is God's good design for you and for me. I need it and I love it. 
Sam Alberry, in his book, Why Bother with the Church, wrote this. And listen to this quote. The membership of every local church is no accident. It is by divine design. There is no one there there is no one there who is a spare part, a third foot or a second nose. There is no one there who is not necessary or who doesn't need the rest of the church. And that includes you, which is really quite exciting. God has chosen to include and to use you. You can make a real and lasting and eternally significant difference by being a part of your church. Your church is vital to you, and you are vital to your church. And I really believe that. And the church is vital to you, and you are a vital part of our church. You are a necessary and important part of our church. And I love this. And here's the reality as a pastor, I do not want to mess it up. But the reality is, we will. And the Corinthian church is a, is a perfect example of that, isn't it? Today, we are finishing up our study in 2 Corinthians. And this church, this church in Corinth, had a lot really going for it. But if you have read the two letters that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, you are going to find out that they had a lot of problems, just like every other church. Sam Alberry in his book goes on to say this, there's a lot of sense in which church is meant to be hard work. It is made up of imperfect people. It is not driven by... It is not driven by self-interest. Its mission and character are meant to go against the grain of how things normally work in this world. In fact, the very things that make church work hard are often the things that make it great. Sticking with church, loving and serving it, is often going to be the harder option than either just leaving it or turning up but not really getting stuck in. The Corinthian church had a lot of problems. You, you get a glimpse of that from the, what we just got done reading. Paul is about to visit them for a third time, and he, he has sent this letter ahead of his arrival to try to deal with some tensions and some problems in the church that still existed, and he wanted, he was hoping that this letter would meet them and take care of the problems. Look at some of the real and potential problems that, that he talks about. He says this in verses 20 and 21. For perhaps, I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish. Can you hear his pastoral heart? And that you may find me not as you wish. That perhaps there may be jealousy, or quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may not have to mourn over many of those who have sinned earlier and have not repented of impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. This church is filled up with messed up people, but it's not unique. This church, this church is similar to the American landscape. It's similar to our church. It has problems. 
It's like every other church that I have been in. And the Bible is really very realistic and forthcoming about what the church is like. Charles Spurgeon had it right when he said, the day we find the perfect church, it becomes imperfect the moment, moment that we join it. And that is so true, isn't it? it? And this is hard work. And we all have a part of the problem. We need this, but it is going to be far from easy. So how do we make this work? How do we have a healthy church despite all the problems and all of our imperfections that we bring to the church? How, how do we have a healthy, thriving, growing, gospel-centered, Jesus-loving kind of church? Well, as Paul closes up his letter, he gives us a, a glimpse into what a healthy church requires. And here it is. A healthy church requires two things. Here's the first. It requires bold, sacrificial leaders. Bold, sacrificial leaders. And secondly, it requires continual self-correction. Continual self-correction. So let's start off with the, the first, that the church requires bold, sacrificial leaders. The consistent teaching in the New Testament is that healthy churches require leadership. And Paul wrote uh, in Titus chapter 1 that this is why I left you back in Crete, why I left you behind, so that you may put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town that I directed you. This Paul, Paul left Titus back behind and said, listen, buddy, I don't want you to leave because there's some work that still needs to get done. I want you to put things into order. And on top of that, I want you to put elders to oversee and care for the church. And these need to be good leaders. The Bible has a lot of things to say about the kind of leaders that they should be, right? And, and leaders are essential. And this passage gives us qualities about what kind of, what these, uh, what kind of qualities these leaders must possess if we are going to have a healthy church. And the reality is, folks, this is one of the reasons that we spend, I spend so much time on officer development. We need to have the right men in the right offices for the right reason. Paul gives us, though, some an interesting com uh, combination here. He says, first, these leaders must be bold. Every healthy church needs to have bold leaders. And look, look at what Paul has to say in verses 2 and 3 and in verse 10 of chapter 13. He says this, I warned those who sinned before and all the others, and I warned them now while absent, as I did when I was present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them. Do you hear that, that really strong language? In, in verse 10, he says, For this reason I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come, I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. Paul has authority. And he is not afraid to use it. And, and as we see in this book, Paul is not afraid to, to wade into topics and deal with issues that, that need to be confronted. He knows that if you ignore problems, 
They will not go away. And we all know this, don't we? We know it in our, our relationships, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our workplace, that if we just ignore it, the reality is those problems don't just magically disappear. One of the important tasks that leaders face is to confront issues that will eventually kill, suffocate a church if they go unchecked. Leaders are required to be bold. And Paul doesn't want to deal with this problem when he comes on his third visit. In fact, the whole reason that he's written this letter is so that he is trying to prevent any kind of confrontation face-to-face. He is hoping that this will deal with the problem, but he will be confrontational if he has to. He is more concerned about the health of the church and the glory of God than he is about avoiding conflict. And here's what I've noticed. Every church that I have ever been a part of has always started off in a very healthy kind of way. But most churches start to develop some unhealthy patterns in their life, some unhealthy behaviors that need to be confronted. And what I've noticed is that, that most of us, including leaders, we hate conflict. And so unhealthy behavior slowly becomes a part of the culture. And what you get is what you tolerate. What you get is what you tolerate. If you you choose to turn a blind eye, turn, turn your back on it and just kind of walk away and you tolerate it, what you ultimately are going to tolerate is that in a growing kind of way. So how do you prevent a healthy church from becoming an unhealthy church? You need leaders who who care enough for that local church, the bride of Christ, to deal with the unhealthy things when these unhealthy things start to creep in. They're, They're ready to nip it in the bud right away. They're not willing to tolerate and just kind of put up with it. And notice that Paul isn't looking for a fight. He's not going out there and searching, where can I pick the next fight? No, he is doing everything that he can to avoid a confrontation, but he is willing to go there if he needs. Healthy churches require that leaders who care enough for the church to be bold enough when it is needed. And I pray that this is true of our current leadership in our elders, in our deacons, in our future officers. I pray it is also true in our ministry leaders that they are willing to confront a problem quickly. But that's not the only thing. Not only must they be bold leaders, they must be bold and sacrificial leaders. Look at how Paul describes himself in in verse 14. And I will not be a burden, for I do not see, for I seek not what is yours, but you. Paul is not driven by finances here. He, he makes it clear that he has no interest in the money of the Corinthians. He has, but what he really has a heart for is the Corinthians themselves. 
he uses an image here that I think is absolutely perfect. It's an it's a image of parents, right? Parents do not generally make a lot of money from their children. I, I should be getting amens right now, right? Parents do not make a lot of money from their children. Instead, what do they do? They spend a lot of money on their children. And so Paul says here, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Hmm. What a picture. And this is a picture of what true leadership should look like. Leadership in the home, leadership in the church, leadership in our community. An author uh, on leadership writes this, that this, this is the paradox of servant leadership. He says this, the higher up you move, the greater your obligation is to serve. The higher you get promoted, the harder you'll probably have to work and the more you have to give of yourself. Friends, great leaders gladly, willingly, gladly uh, spend themselves for the good of the people that they lead. Think, think about the intersection of these two qualities and what a rare quality or what a rare combination it is to have bold and sacrificial kind of leaders. The church needs people who are bold enough to confront a problem when it is uh, presented. And they have also got to be willing to spend themselves for the good of those who they lead. And I want to ask of you, would you pray for this for our church? If we are going to be staying healthy as a church, we need, we need leaders who are both bold and sacrificial. Pray for me. That is true of me. Pray for our elders. That is true for them. Pray for our deacons. That is true for them. Pray for our ministry leaders. That it is true for them. This is the kind of leadership that we need to remain healthy as a church. So Paul says, if you, need, if you want to have a healthy church, you need to have bold and sacrificial leaders. But there's another component that must be added. A healthy church requires continual self-correction. Continual self-correction. Look at verse uh, chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? So here's a fun thing about uh, the original language that this was written. It was written in the Greek language. And what you cannot see in the English is hidden beautifully in uh, the Greek language. This, these words, examine yourselves, is in the present active imperative tense. And, and that means that you are to keep on examining yourselves. It, it's not a one-time, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm in with Jesus and then I'm done. No, it is a continual activity, an ongoing activity of examining yourself. We are to critically be looking at ourselves in the mirror, in the light of Scripture. But what are we looking for? To see whether 
we are in the faith. And I don't think that Paul means that we should live in a perpetual state of insecurity. I think Paul is saying that we should examine the evidence of our lives. Paul looks at the behavior of some that are in the church and and raises a possibility that maybe some of you are not actually followers of Jesus. After all, you are flirting with false teaching from false teachers. And it raises the possibility that maybe you are not in the faith. You are more excited about power plays and charismatic speakers and men who have money than you are for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not, friends, it is not enough to attend a church or to have made a decision. We need to look carefully at our lives. Is there evidence, actual, tangible evidence that God has changed us and is changing us. I love how Charles Spurgeon put it. Let not any one of you, as he goes out of the house of God, say to his neighbor, how did you like the preacher? What did you think of the sermon this morning? We never have that problem at Missio Day Church, do we? Anyway, he goes on to say, is that the question we should ask as you retire from God's house? Do you come here to judge God's servants? I know it is but a small thing to be to us to be judged of the man's judgment, for our judgment is of the Lord our God. To our own master we shall stand or fall. But, O oh men, you should ask a question more profitable to yourselves than this. You should say, Did not such and such a speech strike me? Did not that exactly consort with my condition? Was that not a rebuke that I deserve a word of reproof or a word of exhortation? Let me take to myself that which I have heard, and let me not judge the preacher, for he is God's messenger to my soul. I came up here to be judged of God's word and not to judge God's word myself. So when we sit underneath God's word and hear its preaching, we are to be constantly asking, oh God, what are you saying to me? Is my life in line with the gospel? Am I living in holiness? Am I growing in my knowledge and in my grace? So we need to continually be examining ourselves to make sure that we are in the faith and that we are growing in the faith. And then look at verses 11 to 13. Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss, and all the saints greet you. I love this picture that Paul is giving. Often we ignore these these last little sections where he says goodbye. But this is full of problems. In a church that had experienced its fair share of problems, Paul ends with instructions on how to be a genuine and how to become a genuine church. 
Do these things and you will have a self-correcting community. What's the first thing? Rejoice. Don't get bogged down. Joy as a Christian, joy is your possession. Fight for joy. Let's commit to be, continue to be a joy-filled church. Secondly, did you notice what's next? Aim for restoration. It's a target, isn't it? And that, that, that's a beautiful picture, considering that Paul says you need to be bold leaders. It's not just bold leaders coming out with a bat and taking care of business. The ultimate goal is for restoration. We are going to keep on making mistakes, so let's keep on aiming for restoration. And it, it won't be hard to find ways to be offended. You, you be around church long enough, you be around a family, you be around people long enough, you are going to find yourself ultimately at some point offended. So let's look for ways to stay connected, to overcome hurts and work towards healing those wounds that have been brought about by maybe some hard but necessary words. Then he goes on to say, comfort one another. And th this is hard work. We, we need to, in, to find encouragement along the way. So in, encourage, my friends, encourage, comfort one another. We all need all the encouragement that we can get. And I, I am willing to bet that during this time of social distancing, even though I hate that phrase, it's actually physical distancing. During this time of physical distancing, we may be finding ourselves alone, lonely, isolated. We desperately need to be comforting and encouraging one another. Then he says, agree with one another. It, it is never hard to find ways to create splinters, to break apart. So we need to be finding ways that we can be coming together. So let's agree on the main things. And that's why I love the Presbyterian Church in America. When it comes to the membership vows that you have taken, those vows are general Christian vows, any man, woman, and child who is in Christ can agree on those vows. So we need to come together and agree with one another on those main things. He goes on to say, not only agree with one another, but to actually live in peace. And let's work to create that kind of community that is peaceable. And then here's the payoff. And the God of love and peace will be with you. If we do these things, God himself will be with us. And people will come into our lives. And people will come into our church fellowship. And they will sense that something is very different about these people. They will know that God is with us. And I can't forget this next one. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Hmm. I wasn't going to leave it off, my friends. In fact, if we were worshiping together on, on this Lord's Day, 
physically together in this building, some of you would start feeling a little awkward. You're going, oh no, what is he going to make us do? Greet one another with a holy kiss. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that that our efforts at living together as a body, as a family, as a community in Christ Jesus, you should expect the result of outward expressions of affection that you would expect to see in healthy families. My kids love to sit close to me. If we're watching a TV show in our bedroom, our kids love to cuddle in close. They, they're, they're, those are ways of showing affection. There are ways of just holding and lingering with one another. There are ways of touching somebody on a shoulder. If you're part of the Greek community, there is nothing wrong with a, a holy kiss. It's the kind of thing that I see being expressed in our church when our people hug one another. There's a, a linger, a love, an expression, something deeper than just a formal handshake. It's outwardly saying, I am family with you. You actually matter, and I am expressing through my hug, my firm handshake, that I am committed to you. And these are the kind of actions that we need to see and to experience as a self-correcting church. I guess if going back to summarize, what I'm trying to say is this. A healthy church requires bold and sacrificial leaders and a continual bent towards self-correction. Friends, we need this kind of church. I need this kind of church. The world needs this kind of church. There are millions of ways that we can find ourselves getting off of track off track and there are all kinds of ways that we things will go wrong in the life of our church. What will we do? What will you do to create and maintain a healthy church culture? Yes, we need bold and we need sacrificial leaders. Would you pray for this? After this sermon is done, will you take time to pray for bold and sacrificial kind of leaders? We, we need to dig in and do the hard work of self-correcting so that we build this kind of community that God wants us to be. Would you pray that we be a community that is known for our joy, that is known for our aiming of restoring restoration, uh, relationships, that we are known for our encouragement and comforting one another, that we find ourselves agreeing with each other, that we are living in peace, and that we are showing outward expressions of our commitment to one another. Friends, that is what Jesus died for. Jesus died to save us. Jesus died to create a beautiful community of believers that represents 
and in reality is his body. He died to make us his bride. That is what Jesus Christ is inviting you to be a part of. He cares so much for this church that he was willing to die for it. And we, my friends, get to be a part of it. Not only that, not only do we get to be, are we invited to be a part of it, but, my friends, we get to enjoy it. Friends, you won't believe what happens when God actually creates this kind of community. Amazing things happen when we trust and live into the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me and work so it will happen amongst us in more beautiful and vibrant ways? Yes? Then let us pray for that right now. Father God, I thank you so much for the Apostle Paul. I thank you so much for the book of the sec- of 2 Corinthians and how through it, Lord, that we have seen our need for the gospel. And we have also seen, Lord, the beauty of the church. And particularly today, God, we are reminded of the need for bold and sacrificial leaders. So, Lord, we pray for the leaders of Missio Dei Church. Lord, that they would be bold. Bold not only with the gospel and the truth of the gospel, but they would be, they would be bold in correcting errors. Lord, would they also be sacrificial kinds of leaders willing to be spent on the people of God, giving of their, their time, their talents, their treasure. And would you protect them? in the doing, the guarding, and the shepherding this church. And Lord, would you also help us to be a church that is known for our being self-correcting. As we are sitting underneath the word of God, would we constantly be reformed to the word of God, be shaped by the word of God. Make it so, O Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I love you, and I can't wait to see you face to face and offer to give you a holy kiss. But as for now, lift up your hearts and your hands and receive the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, now and forevermore. Amen. Now go in peace.